started. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, and it reads as follows. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so, I fight, uh, so fight I, not as one that beateth air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest they by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. All right, let's pray before we get started with today's message. Dear God, thank you for gathering us here in your house on this, uh, on this Sunday to hear your word and uh, to hear your message. And be, uh, help me as I try to speak it today so that people in this congregation here can get a blessing from hearing uh, the, these words, Lord. Thank you for just giving us this chance, Lord, to gather in your name on a weekly basis at this church that we continue to serve and love and honor and glorify you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Shall we try again? Or are we still waiting here? All right. Oh, looks like we're getting some likes and uh, thumbs up here. So this is working. All right. We've got eight likes, seven questions, uh, one dislike, and 11, whatever this, this other thing is. So the thing is starting to work. All right, let's go to the first poll question. Test to see if it works. Who is going to win the Super Bowl today? I ask you guys, right? All right. Cast your vote. Let's see what you guys think. Okay, we've got... Who do you think here? We'll, we'll let this go on for a few... Uh, so it looks like... Looks like you guys are New England fans here. All right. Looks like it's going to be... Oh, still going? All right, we'll, we'll let this go on for another 30 seconds before I stop this test. Vote now for the next 30 seconds. All right, looks like the final, looks like the overwhelming favorite is the New England Patriots. 14 for New England, 7 for Atlanta. Wow. All right, so as you guys know, it is indeed Super Bowl Sunday this week, right? One of the biggest weeks of all the years, the biggest sporting events, right? And there's a lot of hoopla related to it. And, you know, I'm sure all of you guys will be watching the game today. I will be watching the game today, right? But... When we talk about competition in sports and stuff, there's stuff about that in the Bible, too. We just read some of the verses that talk about athletic competitions in the Bible. And those things are important. They have some meaning. There's a Super Bowl for Christians, too, believe it or not. There's an important thing, competition, that we're all involved in. And Paul talks about it when he writes his letter to the Corinthians. He tries to... Uh, to give us an example of what it's like for the competition that we are in and the prize that we're fighting for. You know, in the Super Bowl today, the winner is going to get the Vince Lombardi trophy, the trophy pictured here right on your handout, right? That, that NFL championship trophy. They're all striving to obtain that. And in Paul's day, they had big sporting events too, right? Even 2,000 years ago, they had big sporting events, right? One of their big things back then was what they call the Isthmian Games. It was kind of similar to the Olympic Games, right? So they had the Olympics back then. And in the city of Corinth, they had a different thing. You know, the, the Olympic Games were other parts of Greece, like in Athens, right? In Corinth, they had something called the Isthmian Games, right? And it was similar to the Olympics. They have athletic events. They had racing. They had wrestling. They had whatever, right? They have the competition. And in the end, in the end, the winner, they get glory and honor, and they get um, you know, they didn't get a gold medal back then or a Super Bowl trophy. They got a wreath, a pine wreath, 
this wreath that you put on your head that you know, aha, you are the winner. And back then, if you won the Isthmian Games, you were the most famous guy. It was like today. Today, if you win the Super Bowl and you're the Super Bowl MVP, everyone knows who you are, right? Everyone knows who Tom Brady is, right? It's like you're the superstar. And back then, winning the Isthmian Games, it's like winning the Super Bowl of Corinth, right? You win it. You have the crown. Everyone knows you're the athletic star. You ran the fastest. You jumped the highest. You did whatever it is it took to win this, right? That was the competition, right? And that's the kind of competition they had back then. We have it now today in the Super Bowl. People strive so hard, right? They spend all this time trying to get to the Super Bowl, right? And that's the way people are, right? When it comes to these contests, you to be competitive, work hard, right? All these type of things. So let me try this right now. See how competitive you guys are. So look at your screen right now and tell me this. We're going to have a quiz. And whoever wins the quiz, I will declare the winner, right? So the quiz requires you look at your smartphone to look at it, right? Now you can enter your name. Again, this is anonymous. If you don't want to enter your real name, you don't have to. But enter your name to participate in the quiz, right? Whoa, what is this, okay? Wrong answer gives zero points. Okay, I don't know. Can you guys actually see this? The question, the question will be on your screen too. So even if you can't see the screen, you can see it, all right? Brian, let's fire up the first question and see. Get ready. Choose the color that is orange. Look at your phone. All right. Only one person got it right. What is this? Let's see who was the one person who got it right. Whoever it was, St. Elmo, you've got it right. Everyone else, zero points. All right. Let's try the second question. See if it works. Next question. All right. Let's start the countdown. See who's going to win this competition here. So if this works well, this might show up in one of the Friday night wrecks one day, right? We'll see. All right. It's a choose the even number. All right. This time, everyone got it right. The even number is 16. That means who's in first place now? Verizon is better than Sprint is now in first place. All right, let's go to the uh, last question for this competition. It's, uh, are you ready? Start the countdown, please. The question is, you have to, uh, what is the question here? Choose the O, choose the O. All right, everyone has voted. Everyone is right. Everyone got the right, but who was fastest? The answer was, the winner is IT. IT was the fastest. IT is the winner, is that right, Brian? Each winner is for each individual. Okay, so IT is the winner, okay? There we go. All right. So, you know, we had a little bit of competition there. IT was crowned the gold medalist, right? But when we talk about the Christian version of competition, the Christian race, Paul talks about something different, right? He talks about, instead of chasing, he talks about a race, right? We know in the race, there's only one winner. That's what he says. When you go to the Isthmian Games, there's one winner, right? But the race that Paul is talking about in these verses is something different, right? He's talking about a race where we go for not for the corruptible crown, like when you get that pine wreath, it's corruptible. It might 
you will wither and die in a couple of weeks, right? You have an uncorruptible crown, a prize that everyone can win. That's the difference, right? In the Olympics, in the Super Bowl, there's one winner. When it comes to God's race, everyone wins. Why is that? What, we're, what the prize we're seeking here, the competition we're in, the race we're in, is to race to get people saved. That's the difference. That's the prize that doesn't go away. When you have everlasting life, it is by definition everlasting. It's never going to rot or get old or you're going to throw it in the garbage can, right? It's not going to rust. It's not going to get eaten by moths. It's not going to have any of that stuff. Instead, your prize is one that's great for you, right? When you're in the competition, you're getting people saved. It's a blessing for you. It's a blessing for the people that get saved because they get the everlasting life. It's the race in which everybody has a chance to be a winner. Simple as that. Just by being in the race, you already win. That's what Paul's talking about here, right? Why he's using this analogy for people to understand, right? Really understand that it's not just, oh, the one, the only, right? No, 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 no. This is for everyone that can get the prize, right? That he runs and hopefully all of us are going to run. So now we're going to go into the meat of what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about, well, how is it that we compete in this race? How is it that we run the Christian race, right? How do we become a great athlete? Let me ask you, what do you think about when you think about the word like great athlete? What do you think about, right? What kind of words come to mind when I say, oh, you want to be an athlete? What comes to your mind, right? Let's see if we've got any responses here. So when I say athlete, you guys say, you guys say you're busy typing, right? Let's see. I figured, so this is my test here. Rather than I pick on people, you guys can an answer, right? So people say like, oh, you think about money, sports, fame, you gotta have muscles, you can't be Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> yes, you can actually type anything, like someone type Norm up there, whatever, Brian Kwan, you know. <laughs> the only thing you can't type is swear words. I turn on the swear word filter, so don't, don't try that, okay? Don't try that. So you can be the MVP, you gotta have agility, you're the Wheaties, you're a baller. You could be like Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, or even Ben Lee, right? <laughs> so, oh, we gotta be careful for our walk over here. All right, so things will keep populating or whatever. But the idea is that, ah, what are we talking about? The attributes of the great Christian athlete. So you can keep looking at that, but let me tell you what I think, right? Well, Paul says, and what the Bible here says first is that what? He says in verse 24, so run that ye may obtain. Step one, how to become a great Christian athlete. Number one, you have to run. You have to be in it. You got to be in it to win it. That's the old saying, right? As the old saying goes, right? What's the other sports cliches you hear, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? You have all your sports cliches, right? You got to be in it, you know, you got to compete. So number one, we can't just sit out on the sidelines and be a spectator. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. You can't just say, I'm going to watch someone else do it. I'm going to watch Ben Lee do it, or Norm, or Brian Kwan, or Steph, or whoever else you guys put the names up here, right? You know, it's not, it's not just we watch those people do it, and we clap on the sidelines, and we're the fan, right? It's an active thing. We have to be in the game. We have to be out there doing stuff, right? 
That's the way we got to be a Christian athlete, right? That's the step one. The most fundamental thing, right? If you're not in it, you can't win it, right? Now, once you're in it, though, requires a little bit of uh, effort, right? Let me ask you, though, about athletes and their effort. You guys are athletes, too, hopefully, in your lives. Let me ask you guys, how many of you guys exercise? Hopefully, all you guys exercise. But how much do you exercise per week? Do you guys exercise zero to one hours? one to five hours or more than five hours per week. I'm curious, right? However you guys are here, the workout machines, I'll tell you what my answer is. My answer is zero to one hours, right? <laughs> I'm clearly in the zero to one hours group. So you see most of you guys here, as the results of the, the majority of people, you spend like one to five hours a week. That's pretty good. There's 19% of you guys work out more than five hours a week. That's a lot of workout, right? You guys are working out hard. That's a lot of effort. You guys know that athletes, in the same way, you know, they spend a lot of time working out, right? To, to exercise, to train, to get better. But let me ask you this. When it comes to things about God, right? Time spent with God. How much time do you spend with God outside of church each week? What's the difference here? Let's see your answers on this one. So, look at here. We've got 88%. Well, it's still coming in. I'm waiting a few more seconds. We've got, got 14 respondents here. Wait for them to get the respondents up to like 20. Okay, look at this. We've got 17 respondents, 18 respondents. We got 63% say they only spend one to five hours, 40% zero to one hours. Look at the difference here. How about the more than five hours? Zero percent, zero percent saying we spend more than five hours a week focusing on God's things and God's stuff. It's a lot different in how we train. So let's look at what Paul says about how we train, right? In verse 25, it says, And every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things, right? Now in verse 27, I keep my body and bring it under subjection. Okay, let's look at these two verses here, two of the key verses, two key words. It says, every man that strives for mastery, right? Mastery of your sport is temperate. Temperate. What does temperate mean? Temperate means disciplined. Disciplined. So if you want to be a master in your sport, you have to be disciplined, right? If you want to be a master, it says in verse 27, you have to bring your body into subjection. That's what athletes do. That's why athletes spend so much time. That's why you guys, when you exercise, spend so much time because you have to control your body, discipline your body, get it in shape, right? Look at the athletes we're going to see tonight, today playing in the Super Bowl. Someone like Tom Brady, What's his daily routine like? You know, you can go online and read about all the stuff he does to train and prepare. He goes to sleep every night at 8 o'clock so that he can wake up at 5.30. And when he wakes up at 5.30, he starts preparing, right? He eats a very regimented diet. He doesn't eat any sugar or gluten or even oil. He doesn't eat any meats that aren't lean meats, right? He has a strict regimented diet. So it's a sleeping plan. He has a diet plan. Then he goes to work, right? And he has to study his playbooks, study the film. Then he has to work out and practice, right? For instance, workout, weight training, and uh, uh, cardio, uh, uh, flexibility, all those exercises, right? Then it's practice on the field, running the plays, right? Practicing your teammates, throwing the same passes a hundred, you know, hundreds of times in a row. That's the way he practices to be a Super Bowl level quarterback. That's how he trains and prepares, right? And you've got to. You have to train like that. Otherwise, 
You're not going to make it, right? If he just says one day, oh, I decided I'm not going to look study the playbook this week. I'm going to wing it in the game. It's not going to work. If he decides, I'm going to break my diet now. You know, forget it. No more gluten-free, healthy vegetables, no fruits, whatever crazy diet he has. I'm just going to go to McDonald's every day. And it's not going to work, right? Likewise, Christians train themselves too for the race they're going to be. You have to be prepared. If you're going to be the sole winner for Christ, you're going to run that race, you've got to train yourself. Because this is what always happens. Your body says something different than what you know is right to do. That's why Paul says you have to keep your body under subjection. Same thing like what we're saying. I bet if you ask Tom Brady, hey, do you want to do this lifestyle plan where you can't eat all these things, you have to do this much sleeping, you got to work out every single day, wouldn't you just love to just be lazy for one day and take it off? I bet you 100% he'd say, yeah, it's a lot more fun to just sit on my couch all day and watch TV and eat a bag of chips or whatever, right? But he doesn't do that. It's mind over body, right? He knows this is how he has to prepare, right? That he tells his body no. Likewise, it's the same thing in our Christian lives. When we prepare to be soul winners for Christ, I bet you what? Your body tells you, I don't want to do that, right? You say, wake up early and go pray. No, your body says, I want to go sleep for an extra five minutes and go start praying. Oh, your, your mind tells you, it's time to read the Bible and prepare, bone up my knowledge. Your body says, oh, the TV is so fun to watch right now. Let's just relax and go do that, right? You know, that's the contrast. But when you know, when you're exercising, when you're working out in the gym, you know that, hey, you got to do this because it's good for you. You get healthy, right? That's why you force yourself to do it. Same thing when it comes to God. You know it's good for you. You force yourself against even what your body says to make you do it. You've got to have this mental toughness, right, in your mind to say, aha, mind over matter. I know it's tough. It's not easy to get in the right frame of mind to do all this stuff, to serve God, to be a soul winner, to do all this stuff. But you put yourself in the right position, in a position to succeed by getting yourself with that mental attitude, the Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion, MVP type attitude. And speaking of MVPs, right? MVPs, you know, Paul is really our MVP Bible example. So let me ask you, what do you think are the important attributes of being this MVP, whether it be uh, in uh, sports or more importantly, soul winning? So. Look at your thing. Look at the question. What kind of stuff do you need to be successful here? And your points have to add up to 100 before you submit, right? I don't think you can submit just oh, 60 and then submit, right? So there's different categories here, right? I put down knowledge, motivation, boldness, strategy, sacrifice, right? So, looking at our, our responses, it seems like people, you know, people think that one of the big deals is to have the right motivation, to be able to sacrifice, right? Those are really important, right? And all these things, you know, out of all these things, right? Now, when we look at someone like Paul, who uh, 
was our MVP soul winner, right? He's kind of in the Hall of Fame. He is beyond, and it's not just Tom Brady, right? He's beyond Tom Brady, right? He's the Joe Montana plus Tom Brady plus all the Super Bowl MVPs rolled in one, right? When it comes to uh, soul winning, right? The, th the thing that made him great was he didn't just have the motivation. He didn't just have the sacrifice or the knowledge of boldness strat. He had everything, right? He combined all these traits into one, right? And only when we have all those things we really become the great the MVP at doing this thing, right? What do you need? Number one, you know, when we talk about athletes, how do they prepare? Number one, you got to know the playbook, right? You got to know the playbook. If you don't know the playbook in the Super Bowl today, if you were like the wide receiver and you didn't know which pattern to run, you'd be in big trouble, right? The quarterback would throw the ball. You'd never catch it in a million years, right? So you got to know the playbook. Number one, you got to have the right message. You got to have knowledge. Right? You can't be a soul winner. You can't serve God if you don't know this. You don't know the Bible. How can you tell people about the Bible and what it means to be saved and how you get saved if you yourself don't do it? Number one, we've got to train ourselves with the Bible. Train ourselves and know His Word just as intimately as the Super Bowl champion knows his playbook. Right? Number two, you've got to have the right motivation. Right? A lot of times we talk about what makes a great athlete. How do you know that this guy is going to be a champion? Right? They're champion because they're playing for the championship. We know that there's a lot of players out there that are playing for the paycheck, right? Oh, you know, I'm out here. I want to go make as much money as I can. I want the endorsement deal. I'm going to sign a rap album, right? I'm going to be like Shaq and be in movies, right? Bad movies or whatever, right? They're not playing for the championship. The ones that strive and win the most, right, are the ones that say, hey, I'm in it just for the win, right? This is my motivation. I want to win the Super Bowl, right? This is my goal. My whole year is dedicated to this, right? And those are the people that are going to lay it out to win the Super Bowl, the ones that actually care about it, right? The ones that say, oh, I need to keep myself healthy. I'm in a contract year. I don't want to get hurt. Those guys are not the ones that are going to put on the line to win the Super Bowl, right? It's the ones that have that right motivation. So and likewise, in our Christian lives, we need to make sure we have our heart in the right place. We're doing this not for ourselves, right? It's not a selfish thing. Hey, I'm going to uh, be a soul winner. It makes me look cool, right? It makes me feel good or whatever. No, we're doing it because we love God. We know what God wants. God is telling us, go out there and run that race. We're running because God told us to. And we know that God's instruction is the most important thing. That's why we're doing it. We're out there. We're running. We're striving. We're getting people saved. We're working on this because we know this is the thing that God wants us to do. We have that as our motivation. That's what Paul had, right? Paul did it not for himself, not for any boastful reason, but for God. Number three, when you're being a soul winner, when you're being an athlete, what makes you a winner? You got to be bold, right? Boldness. You guys, 17% of you guys said boldness. Why is boldness important? When you're like a quarterback, you got to be a risk taker, right? No one wins a Super Bowl by throwing a dinky one-yard pass every time, right? You got to go deep sometimes, right? That's how you get the touchdown. You got to throw it deep. You got to take a risk. No one becomes a great servant for God just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to be shy and, you know, I, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to stand on the side. You got to be bold. You got to put yourself out there. That's one of the scariest things for any Christian to do, right? You can be bold and put yourself out there, invite someone out to church. What's the problem? Don't you feel scared they're going to say no? How does that feel when someone says, oh, you try to tell them about God or Jesus, you try to tell them about all these things, and they say no. 
But you know what? We can't be afraid of that. We've got to be bold. Look at Paul. He, didn't, he wasn't scared one bit. He could go to the Athens and debate with the philosophers, right? The most famous Greek philosophers in the world. He did not care. He was bold. Let me tell you about God and Jesus. He didn't care that he was on trial. Oh, you're putting me on trial? I might die and get the death penalty? Okay, who cares? Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about Jesus. Boldness. That's what makes a great soul winner. Number four, to be a great athlete, to be a great soul winner, you need strategy, game planning, right? How much time do you think Bill Belichick spent this week figuring out how can I stop the Atlanta Falcons? How do I stop Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and all these guys? I bet he spent a lot of time doing this, right? He's got all his plan, the defensive game plan, the offensive game plan, all this stuff. Christians, we have, we have a game plan too. How do we do it? Remember when we studied Paul, we studied all of his game plans, right? He had tips and tricks like, oh, I go to the synagogue first, right? And try to meet up with the Jewish people first and have them help me. Oh, I try to recruit others to help me so that I can have other people that go with me on the missionary journey, right? I bring in a Timothy, right, to go and appeal to these other people. He had strategies, right? Likewise, we guys know here, we try to employ a lot of strategies even here at church, right? Ways to get people saved, whether it be like, oh, we have a Chinese school ministry, right? We've got the pizza night coming up. All these different strategies, right? We plan out how can we invite people out? How do we share the gospel with them? In the same way, we plan and prepare as Christians. Finally, the thing that many of you guys thought was the most important thing, sacrifice. Sacrifice. We talked about, for the athlete, we talked about Tom Brady already, all the sacrifices he does, right? In, in his life, in his training and uh, exercise and spending time, right? You know, there's a famous uh, Super Bowl player you guys know from the Bay Area, Ronnie Lott, right? You guys remember Ronnie Lott? He played in the Super Bowl, and fam the famous story is that he lost his pinky finger while he was playing in the game, right? That was a sacrifice he was willing to do to win the Super Bowl, right? Lost his pinky, right? Didn't matter. He was in there to win it, right? That's the kind of lengths that people go to, right? Look at all these football players. They know nowadays that, oh, you play football, you can get brain damage, you get CTE, right, or whatever, right? You get concussions. But yet, a lot of people, they ask the football players, if you had to do it over again, would you do it? Would you have to pick over again? Would you do it? And you know what a lot of these guys say? They say, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat because I won the Super Bowl. I'm a champion and all this stuff like that. It's the greatest experience. They're willing to sacrifice even their own bodies, their own health or whatever to do, to chase after this corruptible prize. How much more so should we, when we chase the uncorruptible prize, the gift of everlasting life in heaven, sharing that with other people, how much are we willing to sacrifice? Look, we did the, the, the survey earlier. A lot of us here, most all of us here, cannot say we spend more than five hours a week doing stuff for God, right? Whether it be praying, reading our Bible, soul winning, whatever it is, in fellowship. Can we say we're going to sacrifice our time, our effort, our energy, our money for God? We're willing to do it for the gym, right? I bet you, you guys said, there's 19% of you guys saying, hey, we're going to the gym. I'm going there over five hours a week. I'm sure you guys pay your gym membership fees and put in, drive to, spend extra time driving there, driving back, all this kind of effort, time, effort, energy. Are we willing to put that time, effort, energy into God? Do we love him so much that we'll sacrifice everything? That's what Paul did. He didn't care about his own life even, right? Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to be on trial. It doesn't matter. I serve God. I got to go on get shipwrecked. Guess what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be in prison for years and years. Guess what? I'm going to serve God. I get people saved even while I'm in prison, right? 
That was his attitude, his life. Can we do the same? So I think those are the five attributes I think will make, that will make us a great Christian athlete to run this race, to fight the good fight for God. You know, to wrap this up, I've got a few quotes here. Here's a Christian athlete we know in our own Bay Area. Kevin Durant, what does he say? He says, I've got to be thankful to the Lord for the gifts he's given me. My gift back to him is to always be humble and do what? and work as hard as I can. Are we working as hard as we can? And to wrap up uh, the final final question, the final quote here, the final conclusion, we have a quote here. It says what? Run each day's race with all your might so that in the end you will receive the victory wreath from God. Keep on running even when you have a fall. The victory wreath is won by him who does not stay down but always gets up again. If we're in the race, we are already on the road to victory. Right? Not for the victory wreath of the pine wreath that they won in the Isthmian Games in the days of Corinth, but for that everlasting crown in heaven. All right, let's end off with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for uh, giving us a little time here to look at your word and to learn about how, you know, you want us to be athletes, but athletes for you, not just, you know, fighting for corruptible prizes, but the prize of, uh, you know, everlasting life in heaven, sharing that message, the message that everybody wins when we get. Lord, help us on a day-to-day basis. Commit ourselves to train as Christians, right? To dedicate ourselves to doing what, you know, you've instructed us, right? To train and to put in that time, the time. We saw the, the poll results today. We're not putting in that time, right? That we know we ought to be putting in. Help us with that. Give us the strength to that. The mental toughness to discipline our bodies, to, uh, to, to, to subject our bodies, to put us into that right training regimen to be the greatest athlete we can for you, Lord. And ask you to help us with this and you bless us the rest of the Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.